What is up, everybody? Welcome into this Thursday episode of Flippin' Bats. And man, there is so much to talk about. The situation with Scherzer yesterday, the Oakland A's are moving to Vegas, Otani versus Judge Week is happening in the Bronx, uh, Madison Bumgarner's been DFA'd. There is so much to get to today. So let's do it. Let's get to it. He swings and it's a high fly ball, deep center field. It is gone. Home run. And a huge backflip to celebrate. All right, Ben, start the show already. Oh, man. Oh, man. Has there been a lot of drama, a lot to talk about around the game of baseball? Uh, Fernando Tatis is coming back today, which we'll talk about. Uh, I can't imagine a better start to the Otani versus Judge matchup in New York. We'll get to that. Uh, Alex, the last 24-ish hours in baseball, what's been happening? It's wild. We really hit everything. We had, obviously we're going to get to in a second, the Scherzer ejection that just has you questioning everything about what these umps are looking for and what he was actually doing wrong to exactly what you want to see between two MVPs going at it. And then in the middle of the night, we get some breaking news. Like, Oakland's going to Vegas. What? I, what? <laughs> yeah. Yesterday was wild. And we have we have to start with what happened with Max Scherzer yeah. getting ejected. Um, so this entire situation was wild. But ultimately, Max Scherzer was ejected for a sticky substance from umpire Phil Cuzzy. If you're watching now, you can see the ejection taking place. So let me let me just walk everyone through what happened here. Uh, because after the second inning, Max Scherzer said he came off the mound and his hand was a little clumpy from the rosin and sweat. So Phil Cuzzy, the umpire, told him to go wash it off. So he did. Washed his hands fully. With alcohol, that was all done. He was good to go. Goes back out. Phil says his hand is too sticky and needed a new glove because his glove had too much rosin. So he made him go get a new glove. That check went well. All good. Max goes back out to the mound. After the third inning, Max goes back in, washes his hand with an MLB official present right in front of him. He then applied rosin afterwards. Then goes back out there, and Phil Cuzzy says his hand was too sticky, and that's when the argument on the field started taking place, and the ejection was had. Max gets ejected, doesn't get to go out and pitch the fourth inning, and it was quite the animated dust-up out on the field. Ultimately, Max gets ejected, and then later. From that point, Alex, I just I couldn't wait for post-game to hear. <laughs> yeah. You knew Max was going to be animated. Um, you knew we weren't going to hear everything we wanted to from umpires because they're never really held accountable in front of the media like pitchers and players are. Um, but it was, it was madness out on the field. It was madness. And Scherzer even said after the game, I would have to be an absolute idiot to come back out in the fourth inning with anything that wasn't a legal substance on his hand. As you just went through the full timeline, he did everything he was supposed to do with officials watching him now he has the ability to appeal his 10-day suspension because on top of this he also gets a 10-day suspension I am just so confused by the umpire's decision 
right now because everything that was on his hand and his glove is a legal substance. And he was being watched by MLB officials doing exactly what he was told to do. He was following the rules, exactly how he was supposed to follow the rules. Listening, washing his hands, getting extra, using alcohol. Use alcohol to like very much get everything off your hands. What went wrong here? The umpire? It is, in all fairness, I need to also read and and let everyone know what the umpire had to say about this on, on his side of things, because it seems on the surface from what Max said and what happened that he was using his the rosin that's given by the league and the sweat. And that is that that's what happened. But the umpires also came out with a statement saying, as far as stickiness, this was the stickiest that it has been since I've been inspecting hands, which now goes back three seasons. Now, this is home plate umpire Dan Bellino, so this is not Phil Cuzzy, who, by the way, Phil Cuzzy, there's only been three pitchers to have ever been thrown out from a substance check. Phil Cuzzy was the umpire that did all three of those. So read into that what you will. But home plate umpire Dan Bellino had to say, as far as the stickiness, this was the stickiest he's ever seen in the three years. It was so sticky that when he t- when you touch his hand, our fingers were sticking to his hand. It was far more than we have ever seen before on a pitcher in live action, and we know the repercussions of removing a pitcher from the game. This is clearly something that went too far. It went over the line. Now, so those are the quotes from the umpire. Like they think the stickiness went over the line or like the situation went over the line? The stickiness. But okay. that's where you get into a situation where this is objective. Yeah. You have an umpire yes. coming up to a player saying, well, this is the stickiest I've ever seen. You're out of here. And you also have Max Scherzer in front of an MLB official putting on exactly what MLB supplies to him while also combining that with his own sweat, which is completely legal to do. So this is where we're in an interesting a, a sticky situation, if you will, is you knew that one was. <laughs> why why you, did that take so long? Yeah, yeah, why did yeah, that take so long? That is it's it is it's completely arbitrary. It's completely objective, and you have an umpire that's over here doing that. Max said after the game, and and you're right. He did say, I, th- "This is an exact quote from Max. When you use sweat and rosin, your hand is sticky. I don't know how I get ejected when I'm in front of an MLB official doing exactly what you want and being deemed that my hand is too sticky when I'm using legal stubs- substances. Now you have an interesting spot where." Uh, then you can't be throwing out a guy for the substance that you're providing for them to use. Obviously, rosin combined with sweat is sticky. Obviously, something is needed to be sticky, and that was the whole point of supplying this to players. But if you're not going to know, then we need something more scientific, if you will, than just a hand check. And Max was asked this after the game, and he ended up loving the idea. Somebody said to him, with all the data available in the game right now, they said your spin rate in today's game was right on par with it with it has been all year long. With that data available, before an umpire just comes over and checks your hand and says, this is too sticky, you're out of here, perhaps there should be a little more of a scientific dive into yeah. this, which is, okay, give us the data. If your spin rate is through the roof, which we've seen before with spider tack that was in the league, it was easy. You look at the numbers, you say, well, this isn't normal. There's something being added here. If you look at the numbers and it's right on par with the rest of the with the rest of his starts, guess what? He's probably not doing something outside the realm of what you're supposed to be doing. So Max went as far to say to Phil Cuzzy when it got animated out on the field, which you could see Max getting very animated, he said to the umpire, 
I swear on my kids' lives, I'm using sweat and rosin. It is sweat and rosin. He kept screaming that. And Max also stated this, and this is the last, to me, when I think of this whole situation, Max got checked after the second inning. He went in, he washed it off, again gets checked after the third inning, goes back in, in front of the MLB officials and washes. It does not take a smart person to know you are getting checked when you go back out on the field. You've already been checked multiple times for an umpire that says your hand is too sticky. It is 100% chance you're getting checked when you go back out. Max obviously knew that, and still his hands were too sticky, which to Max's point, he said, I knew I was going to get checked in the fourth. I'd have to be an absolute idiot to try and do anything coming back out there for that inning. We got to fix this. It is a situation that can't be happening where you're getting ejected for what seems to be a, a substance provided by the league and handed what it has to be a 10 game suspension mm -hmm. for an it's an automatic 10 game suspension if you're ejected for a substance use on the field but man this is wild so there could be a, an upside to this right because we have one of the top high profile pitchers now going through a situation where we believe as we just listed through the entire steps and situations and innings and what Max did to make sure that he was complying with the legal substances, which he was, something needs to change. And when you have a player of his caliber going through this very publicly and vocally, and we're having this conversation, I think the entire baseball world is going to have a conversation about this today, something will change and something needs to change. So sometimes you have to learn hard. I learn really hard. Like, I don't just like someone tell me something. It's like, I have to fall on my face and be like, oh yeah, yeah I'm not going to do that again. Um, this, something like this will change. Something needs to yeah. change. Some sort of adjustment. There needs to be something more than just, yeah. oh, this umpire who's, who, by the way, is the only one to ever throw out a pitcher for a substance check. He deemed the hand too sticky. Now he's out of here. But Alex, I want to, before we move on, I kind of want to play devil's advocate here and okay. just think like, what what could have, could it be more? And what, like sunscreen? Well, no, it was, it's, it was a day game, so sunscreen is is legal to use. Yeah. But like, what what could have happened here? Could it have possibly been another substance? That's what your mind goes to. And then Max washed his hand and reapplied in front of an MLB official. Yeah. Right. So I I don't think anything. Obviously, nothing was done there. Then the one question goes to the only other opportunity for him to have put on something that is not legal, which I do not wholeheartedly believe to be the case, no. would have been the time between when the MLB officials saw him reapply and the time he picked up his glove and ran out on the field. But it was a new glove, too. It was a new glove. Yeah. And the umpire, he knew, the umpire standing right there. You know you're going to get checked. Yeah. There was nothing... I don't, I don't understand where the time frame would have come, but the thing is, we do have an MLB official that watched, so that MLB official will be able to say, I presume, in this court case yeah. when they when he goes to argue this, he will be able to say, I was there and, and saw him reapply. So Max yeah. is going to get a 10-game suspension. I don't imagine this getting... I don't imagine this over getting overturned because the rule isn't... The rule that is in place is an automatic 10-game suspension. It's not intent intent doesn't matter here it's if suspended due to a substance check automatic 10 game suspension so within the rules he has to be we just gotta we gotta we gotta fix it i think he should win the appeal
I think, well, I, yeah. I, I think that would be like a strong stance. I agree. Come I, on, Major League Baseball. He didn't do anything wrong. Yeah, I agree. But we'll see. We'll see here in the coming days. But how quickly when MLB announced, how quickly does Max say appeal? When that, yeah. And it's, it's all going to oh, happen yeah. very quickly. Max, oh, is, yeah. he was very vocal in this post game that uh, there will be legal matters here that uh, I can't, so I oh, can't yeah. speak to this right now. But wild. <sighs> well, someone who has finished his suspension. Their suspension <laughs> for using an illegal substance is officially back. Fernando Tatis Jr. could not come back to the Padres at a more perfect time while they are struggling offensively. Oh, they're calling it Happy Fernando Tatis Jr. Day, Padres. This is big. This He's, is big news for the Padres. I, I'm excited. And I have been extremely vocal throughout all of this from when he got the suspension um, to even as recent as last week when we started talking about his comeback, yeah. that I do not condone what he did. I believe he was immature. I believe he was immature in his actions using the, the substance when he was trying to come back from an injury. I believe he was immature in the offseason when he was riding motorcycles and getting injured. Fernando Tatis had some growing up to do. And now we get to see one of the more talented players in the game come back and we get to see and hope that he has done that growing up. And now he's back, and it couldn't come, like you said. Yeah. It could not come for more at a more opportune time for this Padres team that is under 500 right now, which is yeah. crazy to think about. Still very early in the year. But it's the perfect time. Offensively, the lineup is struggling big time. Base running, he's going to add a, a big you know, shot in the arm there for the team. Excitement on the bases. Excitement for the fan base. Um, shot in the arm might not have been the right thing. Yeah, to yeah, to. for someone who was injured. <laughs> I just want to remind people, though, just how great Fernando Tatis Jr. was when he was playing and healthy before yeah. all the craziness went down, when he was in the MVP conversation in 2021. He led the National League in home runs. He was fifth in all Major League Baseball. He was top eight in extra base hits, second in slugging, and tied for ninth in steals, second in war. This man was a top, top five, top ten in every category offensively in Major League Baseball. And he was young. He was exciting. Yes, he learned hard. What, what do we say? Sometimes you gotta you gotta be beaten down to come back up, and we both have said this. I mean, I had him as an MVP favorite this season. Once he came back, you hope a young human can learn from their mistakes because everyone deserves a second chance. He made some <laughs> two very questionable mistakes that nobody condones, but he did his time. Hopefully, he's matured and he has learned and. I'm excited to see him back out there. I am. I, I really am. Um, again, he's done his time. He's done his suspension. Yeah. I hope he's grown up. Uh, I do think Nelson Cruz being on this team, I, I said this since the signing. Obviously, yeah. Nelson Cruz can still hit. We've seen that. But what he means to, I, I think, being like the father figure of mm -hmm. this group that is full of young superstars in Juan Soto and Fernando Tatis Jr., who is still – only 24 years old um, is, I think, in, invaluable. And ta so Tatis is now back. And I don't know, in, in case you missed it, what he was doing in his minor league rehab start is and stent is 
He played eight games down there. He hit seven homers in <laughs> his eight games, had 15 RBIs, and hit 515 in his minor league rehab Woo! stint. Fernando Tatis is coming back, and I am excited to watch him for sure. Uh, but uh, we mentioned this, Alex. Overnight, some big news. And <laughs> like there's, there's a lot going on in baseball. We'll, we're going to talk about Shohei Otani oh. and Aaron Judge in a second. The matchup of the MVPs, that's been awesome. But late last night, Alex, I don't even know. You might not have still been awake. I, I was sleeping at this time. I, I was sitting at my kitchen table. I remember this. Just preparing for this episode. I was writing down a bunch of stuff, getting ready. I looked down at my phone, and I see that the Oakland A's have released a statement that they are moving to Las Vegas. <laughs> and I think, is this some sort of joke? Like, yeah. did I, what, is this actually happening? But it is. The Oakland A's have signed a binding agreement to purchase land near the Las Vegas Strip. They intend to construct a 1.5 billion, 35,000 seat Major League ballpark, uh, their team president announced Wednesday night. So before we get into it, I do want to read the statement that okay. the Oakland A's released in its entirety, because I believe this is important and an important statement to be read. Statement reads, the A's have signed a binding agreement to purchase land for a future ballpark in Las Vegas. We realize this is a difficult day for our Oakland fans and community. For more than 20 years, the A's have focused on securing a new home for the club and have invested unprecedented time and resources for the past six years to build a ballpark in Oakland. Even with support from fans, leaders at the city, country and state level, and throughout the broader community, the process to build a new ballpark in Oakland has made little forward progress for some time. We have made a strong and sincere effort to stay here. We recognize that this is very hard to hear. We are disappointed that we have been unable to achieve our shared vision of a waterfront ballpark. As we shift our focus to Vegas, we will continue to share details about the next steps. As I read this, last sentence, we are disappointed that we're unable to achieve our shared vision of a waterfront ballpark. So let's move to Las Vegas. Vegas? <laughs> um, look, um, so this move is scheduled as of right now to take place in 2027. So we are a few years away. I, I, I am disappointed. This, this, this sucks right now. And I'm sure in 2027, I'll be happy that I'll be like, okay, cool. There's a, there's a team in Vegas. Let's see how this goes. But this, this sucks. The Oakland fan base deserved so much better. They were screwed over for years at this point. And now the entire Oakland fan base outside of just Oakland is having to deal with now three professional teams moving out of the city within a five-year stretch. And this isn't on the fans. If you're one second thinking, well, it's because they have like 7,000 people showing up to games. No, that's ridiculous. The fan base has been screwed over for far too long now. Uh, I look, I, I don't buy that they have done their sincere due diligence, due diligence on trying to move the team and finding a right spot. No, you haven't. You haven't. Over the past couple of years, look, we're, we're at this point using Moneyball as an excuse. Moneyball was, we don't have all the money in the world, so we're going to try and bring in the right players that fit our scheme. No, you're not bringing in anybody now. In fact, you're shipping out people. The team is awful. And you're jacking up season ticket prices. You don't want anybody there. You don't want your fans there. You want to push out your fan base. So it seems like a seamless move to Las Vegas. 
That's wrong. It's ridiculous. I've been to the Oakland Coliseum when the stadium was packed in the playoffs. It's one of the best fan bases that I have ever seen and ever been a part of sitting in the stands. This is a sad day for Oakland, and it's, as of right now, a sad day for, for baseball because their hand was forced. They, they have to move, and it's not because of the fan base. It's because of the organization itself not putting enough money, not caring enough about the city and the fan base. It's been awful over the last couple of years, and it's disappointing that this is going to happen, and, and they're going to chalk this up as some sort of, well, you know, we had to do this, the fans. No, no, no. You did this. The organization did this. They, they, they wanted this to happen all along. They wanted to move out. I think they probably tried to move to a new stadium years ago, and it didn't happen, and they just kind of gave up. And they, they gave up, and that's what we've seen over the last few years with the Oakland A's, is giving up and sending out your best players. When a player becomes good, what happens to him? No, he doesn't stay on our team. No, no, we trade him away for more prospects. And then if those prospects become good, <laughs> you're out. We'll trade you away again. And the payroll is minuscule. They're an extremely profitable organization that is getting by on sending players out, jacking up season ticket prices, and profiting on the TV money and everything they're bringing in from the low payroll. It's ridiculous. It's, it's a sad situation, and I feel awful for the fans of the Oakland Athletics and, and, and sports fans in general in Oakland. See, I'm torn on this situation. A, yes, I'm with you. I feel so terrible for Oakland sports fans. They just recently lost their NFL team, the Raiders, to Las Vegas. Golden State Warriors moved their stadium to San Francisco. And now your baseball team is moving to Vegas. That sucks. However, I've spent a lot of time there in Oakland in that Coliseum, and it was not suitable to stay there. They needed to move somewhere. That was the worst stadium in all of Major League Baseball. Sanitary-wise, you mentioned it's packed on opening day. I've done so many opening days at the A's Coliseum, Oakland Coliseum. It is one of the most crazy environments I have ever been at. But then after that, every player you talk to goes, yeah, this feels kind of like a, a minor league game. There's like not that many. It's weird that like even day two, not that many people in here. So my other side of things, I think this move to Vegas could be great for the franchise. There is a ton of money in Vegas. And what they're willing to do now and what they are spending to buy land in Vegas Maybe, because you've been preaching this, Ben, maybe this will change their whole mentality and actually spend the money on players and invest within their franchise. And, you know, sometimes change hurts. It sucks. And someone's going to get hurt. But I've also seen Vegas fans, like, crying with excitement that they are getting an MLB team now in Vegas. So, yeah, terrible. Heartbreaking for Oakland fans. But another bright side, because I like to look at the positive side of life, both your teams are in Vegas now, okay? It's an easy flight from <laughs> Oakland. It's an easy, it's probably the easiest flight from Oakland, a day trip. You're going to have to adopt. It is what it is. Wait. One of these things. The crying and the complaining isn't going to do anything. Both your teams are in one spot. Wait, you're just going to hop Make it on easier. A, you're just going to hop it on easier. a plane for a Sunday day game yeah. trip? One yes, people start, do it all the time. Hop on a plane and yes. get on over to Las Vegas. Yes, the 45-minute flight. It's the easiest thing. <laughs> I'm going to look at the bright side of life thing. I think it's going to be better in the long run. 
for the organization. My uncle Jim, who's a huge Oakland uncle A Jim. fan, he's gonna kill me. I know I'm gonna get a phone. He listens to the he listens to the pod on his drive home from work every day. But I know he's gonna be heartbroken, and these hardcore fans who have season tickets are gonna be heartbroken. But if you're still gonna love your team, even when they move on, hopefully now you will have a better product long term on the field. I one I I do. Change needed to happen. Yes. You you needed to get out of the dump that has become the Oakland Coliseum that was there was a football stadium for the Raiders. It's not built to play baseball no. in. You needed a new stadium. That's true. That's fair. You didn't need to move the, the franchise to Las Vegas. And I, I do agree. Like, if you're telling me right now that they're going to move and all of a sudden, like, they're in a bigger market and, and a, a big market and you're out of Oakland – but what has convinced anybody that John Fisher, the owner of the A's, is going to get to Vegas and just all of a sudden spend and become like a, a big market team? Yeah, you're moving, but you're keeping the same ownership. Like, that's not going to change. Like, like the, the money ball philosophy ain't going to fly in Las Vegas. I mean, it's just, it's just not. So, like, yeah, I understand the franchise is moving, but uh, it's just... You know just, what he's got to do? He's got to give season ticket holders now some sort of like crazy deal, like two for one flights to come out to Vegas. Uh, like, you're <laughs> you get a guy, discount. You're giving you're this guy get a discount far too much credit. on your season tickets. If you get season tickets when we're in Vegas, there are ways to make it better. This guy for fans. Th- I know guy, it's tough. Today's the first day. Like I like it's, this guy doesn't care about the fans. That's he doesn't care about these fans in Oakland. He jacked up season ticket prices when. When the, the the roster went in the opposite direction. He traded the best player in Sean Murphy and jacked up ticket prices. Ridiculous. I mean, come on. But the A's, and this was this was announced literally like yesterday. The, the A's, or yesterday or two days ago, the A's are planning a reverse boycott in Oakland to prove that this isn't on the fans. And they, they, they want to be a part of this. They're, June 13th, they want to pack the Coliseum with fans to prove that the fans aren't the problem in Oakland. Now, it's tough because obviously this gets announced, and yeah. I, I don't know if the timing on that is coincidental. The fans announced a reverse boycott to prove that they aren't the problem, and the ownership comes out and says, ha-ha, we're out of here. Yeah. Again, just a ridiculous point. But now they're on to Vegas. I do think a, I do think a team will do very well in Vegas. I hope John Fisher spends some money on his team. Uh, I think they probably keep the same. I don't think we're going to change the, the team name. The I think it'll be the Las did Vegas. You, you did know you vague would, a, like Vegas with the A and the S at the end? You know what I would like to see? The Las Vegas A's of spades. Whoa. Yeah. Like okay. A's. Yeah. You know, okay. You just add that in All there. Right. Um, or, yeah, and you can't do that. You have the Aces, so you can't do that. That's yeah. the WNBA team. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, the, the, the move appears to be like it is happening, and the A's will be off to Vegas in a few years. So there's that. There's that. Um, but on a, on, a, on a much brighter note, I would say is that we have in the Bronx – a matchup of the reigning MVPs. Last year's MVP, Aaron Judge, and the year prior MVP, Shohei Otani. This is the the biggest stage in the Bronx for the two faces of baseball right now. And so far, this matchup could not be going any better. Mm -hmm. It's been so cool. Otani wins the night round, the the round one matchup on night one with a homer and his first at bat in the Bronx. Angels end up winning that game. And then last night was just so cool. First at bat again for Otani in the first inning. He hits a ball to deep 
center field. Like, dead central. Aaron Judge runs back on the ball, gets to the wall, leaps up, brings it back, catches it with his bare hand, robs Shohei Otani of a home run, and then, in the bottom of the first inning, hits a massive home run of his own, meaning Aaron Judge won round two. This this matchup, which was dubbed Otani versus Judge Week in the Bronx, couldn't be going any better. And I, I just think these are the two biggest stars on the biggest stage and you just want them to do something, right? The matchup is already like yeah. worth the price of admission. And then for them to be showing out in the way they are with, with Shohei's homer on night one and Judge robbing Shohei on night two and then hitting one of his own, this has been a special couple of days already. It's been everything and more that you could wish for. But another thing that really stood out to me was when Otani was talking and asked about playing in Yankee Stadium. Yeah. And he said, it's a beautiful field. Passionate fans. I always look forward to playing here. It's really fun playing here. Now, I want to point out, earlier this week we talked about, this is the most important first half of a season for the Angels, right? Because if they're losing, they got to trade Otani. Something's got to happen. Absolutely. they got to win to keep them. I want to go back to before Otani came to Major League Baseball. It was Billy Epler who really attached himself to Shohei Otani and was convincing him what team to go to, okay? At the time Billy Epler first met Shohei Otani, he was, I think, the assistant, maybe GM for the Yankees. So Yankees were a top choice for Shohei Otani when he was first coming over. And then Billy Epler got the job, the GM job, at the Angels and convinced Shohei Otani to come to the Angels. So the Yankees have always been in a conversation with Shohei Otani because of Billy Epler. Now, hearing him talk about the fans, the environment, is it foreshadowing? I don't know. It's all going to depend on how the Angels do this season, who has the best offer, who has the best winning place for Shohei to end up. But it's, it's always a very interesting situation to remember who was the main person that was going to bring Otani over here? And yep. he started in the Yankees organization. Shohei's going to end up playing in Atlanta at some point this year, and they're going to ask him, and he's going to say, I love the fans, and man, I ate some good food at that restaurant last night. And they're going to say, Otani's favorite restaurant's in Atlanta. He's coming to Atlanta. <laughs> this is going to happen at every single place yeah. he plays this year. L- look, I, I wholeheartedly do not believe Shohei Otani is going to an East Coast team. I just don't think it happens. And I, I think... Of anybody, yes, these statements, of course, he likes playing at Yankee Stadium. Yeah. The history is there. The fan base is good. Yeah. Those are all facts. You know what's also a fact? Shohei Otani is very proud of where he's from yes. in Japan, as he should be. And being on the East Coast makes it very, very difficult for those people in Japan to be able to watch him due to the time difference. The West Coast makes it a lot easier for them to wake up and be able to watch him, whether it be a day game and they're just waking up or a night game. It's a lot easier. I, I really believe he's going to... If he if he moves on from the Angels, I think he's staying somewhere on the West Coast unless Steve Cohen comes along and offers like $200 million more than anybody which else. Which is but, possible. Which is also possible. And also Billy Epler now with the New York Mets. Yeah. Which is, which is a big part of it there. Um, but this matchup, 1-1, mm-hmm. right? Otani wins night one. Judge wins night two. 
and it's just the perfect storm. I was asked this recently, who, who do I consider the face of baseball? Mm-hmm. And I really believe that baseball, with the way it's set up, it's not like other. It's 162 games. It's happening so often. I I believe there's a, a room in baseball for two faces of the game. Yeah. And Aaron Judge is certainly one of those. And Shohei Otani is certainly one of those, in my opinion. And you have them on the same stage, on the biggest stage, in the Bronx, doing what they're doing. It's so good for the game. I watched that home run. I watched that home run be robbed last night, and I know. Yankees fans on Twitter wanted me to be so mad that Aaron Judge robbed Shohei of a home run. I watched this and like yelled for excitement. Yeah. It's so cool Same. that you have the face of baseball robbing the other face of baseball for the second straight year. Aaron Judge robbed Shohei of a homer last year. And it's just so good for the game. It made me so like this is this is awesome. This is what it's all about. Yeah. The two best players duking it out on the field and doing things. It's its not often you can get a situation like this where two big-time faces are able to, like, literally impact each other's performance on a baseball field, mm-hmm. right? Because, well, Judge isn't a, a, isn't a pitcher, and if Shohei's yeah. not pitching, they're not directly facing each other. For a moment like this to be able to happen is just so good for the game, and it was so cool to see. And this series has been awesome to watch, and they're both playing – well on the year already which you know they're both going to be in the MVP conversation come the end of the year I believe that as of right now Shohei leads all players in Major League Baseball in B war at 1.7 which is on pace to be one of like if he's on pace to have like the greatest season of all time if if that continues Um, judge tied for fifth in home runs with six home runs which he just hit that night this is a special matchup, and these yeah. two are showing out, and it's been awesome to see. Yeah, I can't wait to see what happens next. And who, who wins the ultimate battle in this series? It was, it was funny. Judge, last night, they were, he, they were asking about the home run robbery. Yeah. And he said, well, if I was a good outfielder, I would have caught it on the first try. Because <laughs> he, well, one, Judge is six foot seven. He, nobody's getting to that besides yeah, yeah, him. Yeah, he yeah. gets up there, like, you know, it like goes in his glove and comes out, and he catches it with his bare hand. But uh, he also went on to say, I'm glad we don't have a roof here because if we did, that definitely would have hit the roof and oh. then some. It was that impressive what Otani did there. Yeah. So um, pretty good matchup. Yeah. It's, it's going to be a fun uh, fun rubber match to see who wins the one this afternoon, 1 o'clock our time. Yep. So that's going to be a good one. But speaking of MVPs, it's time for our BVPs, yep. Ben's Most Valuable Players of of the week of the year of the year up to this point but this we do it each week correct we do yes. it each week and it's who's the best so far yeah if the mvp the voted essentially if the mvp was voted on right now and you combined every player in both leagues this is what it is so it'll be updated weekly who are the top 5 players right now in the game of baseball no matter what league you're in and this is all season long so i'm going to start with my number five player on my list and it's Bo Bichette who has made his first entrance into the BVP voting so far this year batting 354 on the year with four homers and 12 RBI he has really been heating up he was raking heading into that series with the Astros and did really well in that series as well when Bo Bichette gets hot it's really unlike anything you can you can see in baseball from a shortstop because when he gets hot you're, you're seeing games of him with 
three, four hits in a game. And that's what he's doing right now. It feels like every game he's getting three or four hits. He's really locked in for the Blue Jays, and he has made his entrance onto my BVP list. All right. Now moving to number four, who's 4-0 with four in four starts. Garrett Cole has been lights out for the Yankees. The first pitcher that I have had on this list, as you know, it's difficult for a pitcher to win the MVP award. Yeah. What it takes is a year like Garrett Cole is having so far. 4-0 with a 0.94 ERA, 32 strikeouts and 28 in the third innings pitched, and a whip well under one. Also to his name, a complete game shutout this year, which is big. Now, there were a couple of pitchers I could – Garrett Cole and Luis Castillo are both names that could be on this list, but – for me, with Garrett, the complete game shutout puts him a little over the top. The mm -hmm. strikeouts in the number of innings pitched there, 4-0 in his four starts. I mean, he has been the definition of dominant. And, yeah, first pitcher on this list, Garrett Cole, is dominant. Dominating I, I, right I, now. I mean, a .95 ERA, like, in four yeah. starts, that's not easy to do. That is not easy. Now, Luis no. Castillo's is, is below that. Yeah. But I think the edge goes – like I, I don't love the win stat. I I really I I don't because it's very dependent on hitting. your your team and yeah. how your team is hitting. And the Mariners aren't playing well right now, and the Yankees have been playing pretty well. But the complete game shutout to me, and Huge. the more innings and the more strikeouts. Yeah, like it's just it's been a little more dominant. I would say. All right, let's move on to number three. Okay. Ronald Acuna Jr. I love me some Ronald Acuna Jr. And the man is back. The man is healthy, not back as in in the lineup because he played last year, but back as in healthy. 367 on the year, three home runs, 11 RBI, eight stolen bases already. This is the Ronald Acuna that I loved before the injury. Mm -hmm. I was I was one of his biggest fans. I believe this guy is part of the the young crew that is growing the game of baseball exponentially and when he went down with that injury it was heartbreaking to him to the Braves to the fans of baseball and last year we saw him come back freakishly fast because he's a freak athlete and he was not himself this year he has been himself and it's been so much fun to to watch great plays in the outfield obviously the numbers I mentioned offensively and this Braves team, who is playing like one of the best teams in baseball, if not the best team right now, I had them at number one in my power rankings this week. I believe, as I've said, that this is the best Braves team since the early 2000s. And Ronald Acuna being healthy is, is a huge part of that. And they're going to need him to keep playing like this if you want him, as you, as you predicted, for them to get to the World Series. Yep, exactly. But let's move to number two because he is holding that spot strong. Shohei Otani. Yeah, you know, I mentioned as I was mentioning that Garrett Cole's the first pitcher on this list, that's not eh, exactly fair yeah. to say because Shohei Otani himself is a pitcher and is also in that Cy Young conversation this year for how good he has been pitching-wise through his four starts, but basically three starts because the fourth got shortened due to the rain. Um, but offensively, 281, four home runs, 2-0 and on the mound, a 0 0.86 ERA, leads all players in B-War with 1.7 war, which is on pace to be arguably the greatest season of all time. Um, it's, 
it's remarkable. I could go on and on and on, as you all know, about the talent and the player that Shohei is and is continuing to become. But as you mentioned, he is now at number two for this has been all year long. I think he's been at number two. He hasn't yet been able to get to that number one because we have the same number one. But we'll get to that in a second. Shohei Otani here at number two. I have no doubts he's probably going to be on this list all year long because he's doing both at an elite level. If the season ended right now, Shohei is in that top three Cy Young voting. Yeah. He's also got four homers hitting 281 and a huge part of that Angels' very good offense. It's insane what he's doing, and he's here at number two. And also an ERA under one. Like, that's just, it's just like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Okay. Your number one. BVP Matt Chapman. Two weeks in a row now, Matt Chapman is at number one. He's batting 397 with five home runs and 17 RBI. Look, this is, I say this every week, this is what it's going to take to beat a guy like Shohei Otani. This, you have to have an Aaron Judge esque season where you do something that is, is historic. Judge taking the all-time Yankees home run record last year, the all-time American League home run record. This year, you have Matt Chapman, who is currently on another planet. Do I believe that all year long, Matt Chapman is going to hit 400 with, what? what's he on pace for with five home runs? I don't know, probably around the 50 home run mark. I, I, I don't think so. I would love for it to happen, but to start the year and about 20 games in, he's, he's having an unreal season and certainly, if it ended right now, Matt Chapman's got to be the MVP. There's no way around it because of he's been unbelievably good. Um, so for the second week in a row, Matt Chapman is at number one on my list. So that leaves Bo Bichette, Garrett Cole, Ronald Acuna Jr., Shohei Otani, and Matt Chapman as the top five. You got a little Blue Jays sandwich going on here. Yes, a Blue Jays sandwich. A Blue Jays sando, which leads us into our next segment. Tale of the tape. Ooh, we got a good Blue series. Jays against the Yankees, the big series, divisional series that's happening this weekend. We're going to go through, Ben and I, and we're going to pick who we think has the better offense, defense, manager, starters, and bullpen. And we have kind of a long-term wager going on because whoever side you pick more of, you believe they're going to win that series. I won last week. Um, I don't know, remember who won the first week, but we're going to keep we, this we going. Started, we started last, last week. week. Okay, so 1-0. So um, yeah, yeah, in our wager, at the end of the year, whoever's won more series, the other person has to cut off their pinky. No, 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 no. We're going to... So, <laughs> no. yes, this is a big series because the Yankees yeah. were the favorite to win the AL East. The Blue Jays were my pick to win the AL East. And the Rays, who aren't a part of the series, have just come in and just thrown a wrench in everybody's predictions. Bye, guys. My division. This is is the two um, preseason favorites to win the division. Obviously, Yankees and the Blue Jays were right under them, and I picked them to win it. So this is a big series. This This is is a big series. This is a huge series. So uh, let's get to it, Alex. Where where are we starting? We're starting on offense. Who you got? I have the Blue Jays offense. Huh, surprise, surprise after that last segment. Well, <laughs> I have the Blue Jays offense, as I mentioned multiple times. Bo Bichette. Yep. Um, Matt Chapman. Yep. Just the lineup from top to bottom. I think the best hitter involved in this series is Aaron Judge. The best offense is 
the Blue Jays, especially Giancarlo Stanton is out now for what six weeks. That hurts the lineup. But just before the season, I would have said the better offense from top to bottom is the Blue Jays. We haven't even mentioned Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, Dalton Varsho is, was a good pickup, in my opinion, the most underrated pickup of the offseason. Um, I, I, for me, it's the Jays, top to bottom, best one of the best offenses in baseball, certainly top five, and they are my pick for best offense in this series. Hmm. Well, my pick for best offense in this series is the Yankees. All right? Oh, that's fair. Okay. You have the reigning MVP, the home run hero, Mr. Aaron Judge, who you just said is the best hitter in this series. And I'm not going to bet against him in a divisional rival. He's coming off a crazy MVP battle right now series with the Angels. Anthony Rizzo has also been getting hot, batting 311 with four home runs. Yes, they just took a hit losing Stanton for six weeks. But the numbers don't lie here, okay? The Yankees are fifth. They have the fifth most home runs in Major League Baseball. Jays are 14th. Yankees are eighth in stolen bases. Jays are tied for 18th. And better, Yankees are better in extra base hits with 48. Jays are below them. I'm just saying all around, the numbers say Yankees are better, and they have the best hitter, who you said is the best hitter. Yes, of course, I know the Jays have Matt Chapman, who's absolutely crushing. Bo Bichette, who you just mentioned, who's absolutely crushing. But I am going to go with the Yankees. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. You know, I, I – look, if you want to look at – I I don't love batting average as a stat. I, I am less against batting average, I would say, mm-hmm. than, than the, like – super analytic nerds yeah. right but i will bring it up because the difference is is quite alarming the blue jays have the sixth best team batting average yep. at two 263 the yankees have the 23rd best team batting average at 229 and their ops is a mere 722 not great not great by any means. I'll take the I'll take the Blue Jays. Uh huh. Yeah, I'm taking the Yankees. All right. All right. Let's move on to defense. Who you got? Uh, defensively, I have the Yankees. Uh, I Anthony Rizzo over at first, Gold Glove caliber first baseman. Uh, Anthony Volpe has been very very good at shortstop. Judge in the outfield is good. Trevino behind the plate, platinum gold, platinum glove winner. Just kind of everywhere you look with this team, they have very good dynamic players Oswaldo Cabrera I mean defensively Yankees fairly fairly big edge I would say I don't Boba Shed at shortstop isn't great Vladdy Jr. over at first isn't great um I took the Yankees I also took the Yankees on defense um a lot of the same reasons you just said although Anthony Volpe has been struggling a bit at the plate he's had extremely strong defense we just saw Aaron Judge Rob Shohei Otani of a huge home run. They have the 10th best fielding percentage and only seven errors committed, which is tied for seventh in Major League Baseball. Okay. So, yeah, we we agree on this one. Okay. Let's move on to managers. Who you got? I I have the Jays and John Schneider. And if if you took Aaron, I think you might have. I don't know. This has less – I don't think Aaron Boone is – I've been saying for a while, I don't ever like calling for managers' jobs, but Aaron Boone has done some things over the last couple of years, over his tenure, that just leave me scratching my noggin. And 
He's definitely a guy in the playoffs that pushes the panic button, but obviously this isn't the playoffs. But I actually I really like John Schneider and what he means and what he's brought to that Blue Jays team ever since he took over that role. I just um not not Aaron Boone would be my answer. <laughs> All righty. Let's hear it. I also picked John Schneider. Oh, you did? Okay. I did. Okay. I was waiting. I was, I know. I was like, I was, okay. I'm trying really hard to have a poker face and okay. not give away. No, that was good. Okay. You, you're doing cool. better with your you're not cool, giving cool, it cool, away. Cool, 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 cool. Um, yeah. I can't pick Aaron Boone. Even though he's finished in the top five manager of the year award three times, there is a reason he hasn't won. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> there are very high expectations when you manage the Yankees, and he doesn't have the hardware to show for it. And that alone right there, I can't pick him. And just to see what John Schneider has done in his limited time, because it's a fraction of the experience that Aaron Boone has had with the team. Um, what the Blue Jays did last year with this young team, bringing them together and bringing them up, there's hope. Yeah. And and I think there's a future, a strong, strong future there. I just One last, last point on this. The, the Yankees in Aaron Boone's tenure have been – Far, far, far too talented yeah. to to not win any hardware, and also far too talented to get to where they did last year. And the ownership and team just come out and say, "Well, we were four games from the World Series. You're the New York Yankees. Yeah, you got Aaron Judge on your team. You're either like, first you're not, or you're last. You're not excited to get no. four games from the World Series. That doesn't make any sense. And and last year, I just felt continuing to run out Josh Donaldson and. IKF last year when you had Cabrera and Peraza come up that were able to to be those dynamic guys that I think the lineup needed. I just don't, I don't think the the right moves are pushed at the right time. Um, I'm glad Volpe made the team to start opening day this year, but John Schneider's the answer for me. So we're tied. We're we're tied. Yeah, three, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, through three Ooh, rounds. It's gonna come have... down to the arms. Okay. okay, who has the better starting rotation? Better starting rotation for me, the Toronto Blue Jays. Best pitcher, this is kind of similar with the the best pitcher right now, Garrett Cole. Best lineup or best pitching rotation is the Blue Jays with Alec Manoa, who isn't quite himself yet, but Kevin Gosman, Jose Barrios, who I don't think I would have mentioned him had it not been for his last start. But Jose Barrios has the stuff, right? He's always had the stuff. But last start, he put that stuff together, looked very good. Kikuchi looks back and very good. Um, Chris Bassett, the new addition. I think from top to bottom, especially, especially with Carlos Rodon not pitching yet and not being healthy, I went with the Toronto Blue Jays here. I really like their rotation, and the rotation is more so than the offense, the reason that I picked the Blue Jays to win the AL East, if you remember. So I'm taking them. Okay. I'm picking the Yankees starting rotation. Uh, for the man at the top, Garrett Cole, 4-0 in four starts with that complete game shutout this season. I He is the leader of this pitching staff. Alec Manoa, as you mentioned on the Blue Jays, hasn't really found his stride yet, is struggling a bit, and he is someone I thought would be the leader of that starting rotation over for the Blue Jays. I mean, even Nestor Cortez has been doing well this season for the Yankees. I'm I'm going to pull through, and I'm going to say the Yankees starting rotation. All right. So yep. we got one more. four, I have three for the Jays, and you have three mm-hmm. 
for the Yankees. Yeah. So I think we know where our wager is going to stand here on, on this series. All right, so what's last is bullpen. Bullpen, uh, bullpen wise, I will take the Yankees. Um, I think I'm a I'm a big fan of Jordan Romano at the back end of the Blue Jays bullpen, but you got to get it to him. And the Yankees just with uh, Michael King, Clay Holmes, Marinaccio, Wandy Peralta have been good this year. And I think I think Clay Holmes is an elite reliever in the game of baseball. I think they just have more weapons. I think they have more weapons back there in the bullpen that they're able to turn to and to get you some big outs, whether you need them from the sixth inning on or just in the ninth inning. They have the guys to get it done. So I went with the Yankees there. As did I. I also went with the Yankees' bullpen, all the reasons you just mentioned, but just to add on to that a little bit more, they have the second-best ERA in baseball at 2.20, fifth-most strikeouts with 78, and only 24 walks with the 10th-fewest in Major League Baseball all around. I mean, obviously, you're seeing I'm taking the Yankees here because I got four of my five on the Yankees' side. Um, you got three of your five on the Jays. You're taking the Jays in this series. I'm taking the Yankees. Yeah, you know what? We we don't factor into this. What? Which, like, the series is in New York. Like, when we're just breaking I did this factor down. that in. That's why you took- when you go between the offense and the starters, which you could really go either way, but Yankees have that one star player, I think, on both either the, the lineup or the starting rotation is bigger. It's where you play matters. So you factored that yes. into the better pitching rotation is the Yankees because they're playing at home. No, it's Garrett Cole. But like, if you're gonna have to, if you need something, like, I'm gonna go Yankees. Okay. Yeah. So like, if you're like at a crossroads, you'll give the edge to the home team, is what you're saying. Sometimes, if they're, if I believe they're a better team right okay. now, All and right. they're coming off a big series against the Angels, as I mentioned. So you got like, you got the fire, you got the momentum. All right, I'll take the Blue Jays. I'll take yep. the Blue Jays. Okay. All right, we will finish up with some Twitter questions, Alex. I believe we have three today. We do. Are you ready for um, the first yeah, one? Yeah, I don't know what they are, so hit me. Yeah. Uh, this first one comes from Brian, and he asked, when Mad Bum retires, Madison Bumgarner, do you consider him a lock for the Hall of Fame with the way the league is heading? Uh, first off, good question, and it's also a very pertinent question yeah. because Madison Bumgarner was just designated for assignment by the Arizona Diamondbacks um, as of this morning. So early Thursday morning, he was DFA'd, uh, and not a surprise. Now the question, is he a Hall of Famer? I, I do not believe so. I don't believe Ooh. Madison Bumgarner is a Hall of Famer. Now you look back on his career – multiple world series rings right i believe he has three world series and he was one of like if you start talking greatest postseason pitchers of all time he's in that conversation so how is he not in the hall of fame conversation because i really you you can't have a guy in the hall of fame that has a career 3.47 era in the national league with 134 wins that doesn't get you in. A 347 ERA with 134 wins does not get you in. It just doesn't. But but he's a World Series MVP, a three-time World Series champion, and a huge reason that the Giants were able to do what they did during that stretch. How I, how is that not an argument? I agree. I think it is. I think it becomes an argument because of that. Yeah. But if you're specifically looking at a pitcher that has put up these regular season numbers without any playoff experience, 347 ERA with 134 wins. 
that doesn't get you in, and it's not even close. It's not even close. Look, we're Clayton Kershaw just got his 200th win, and he's still got hopefully many more to go. Justin's well. Justin's over 200. 134 ain't good enough. You just said you don't like the win stats because a lot of it doesn't actually have to do with you. It has to do with your team and your players and your obviously your offense lifting you up and being able to win games. Yeah. He won three World Series. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. And that's what I'd say be, that's bigger than having more wins is having the hardware. That's what he'll be remembered as. Is yeah. one of the uh, a, a World Series champion, a World Series MVP, a great postseason pitcher, and a great horseback rider. But he will not be remembered as a Hall of Famer. <laughs> because the Baseball Hall of Fame <laughs> is the hardest to get into. It is the richest and deepest history sport in in the United States certainly. That it is the hardest Hall of Fame to get into, and I can't get my mind around having a pitcher in with a career ERA of three four seven with 134 wins. And my tune might have changed if he went to Arizona and had a good rest of his career, but he went to Arizona and put up numbers of 15 and 32 with a 5.23 ERA, an 0 and 3 with a 10.26 ERA this season. He's also won two Silver Slugger awards. Oh, I get it. As right, a pitcher, it. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna throw. Guy, I'm gonna throw in everything. The guy could rake. But yes. Like, that ain't getting him in the Hall of Fame. It's just an added bonus. This is a heated conversation. We could keep on going. It with. only even becomes close to a conversation because he did have the postseason career that he did, and he's yeah. one of the best postseason pitchers and one of the best postseason performances be that, we, that we've ever seen. Yeah got a tribute for something it does yeah we're talking about this we're talking about him mm -hmm. potentially being a hall of fame like this needs to be a deeper conversation at one point let's move on to our next fan question okay you ready yep this one is from bryce will the rangers win three world series in the next five years or just one <laughs> so this is also assuming he believes the rangers are going to win a world series here yeah. Are they going to win three World Series in the next five years or just one? No. Let me question. I'm not going to answer this because okay. it's ridiculous. Yeah. Let me answer if they will win one in the next five years. I I think I could turn this question to do the Rangers win one AL West title in the next five yeah, years? Yeah, that's fair. And I would argue no to that. Mm -hmm. The Astros aren't going anywhere yet, and the Mariners are going to be very good for a long time to come. I don't, I don't know if they win an AL West. I do believe they get into the playoffs within the next five years. They're within the next five years. They're in the playoffs three times. <laughs> but are they lower your expectations? Lower your a expectations, bit. right? Three World Series in the next five years. Come on. <laughs> All right, all right. Let's move on to our third and final fan question. This one comes from Savannah. She wants to know, what's the reason for the Mariners' slow start? Lack of production at second and DH or the pitching having a slow start? That is a good question because there are positives everywhere you look with yeah. this team, right? Luis Castillo doing what he's doing has been remarkable and – I guess a positive would be Julio is starting to heat up. Julio hasn't had a great start to the year yet, but he is starting to heat up. But there are there are sort of positives in every direction 
that you look at with this team. But the rest of the rest of the rotation hasn't clicked as I believe it will. Robbie Ray injured. Um, the Julio slow start. I just I, I don't think this team is clicking in one certain area or in all areas yet. I think you can point to some positives, but collectively there isn't that that collective positive yet. And that's what I think is is holding them back. It has. It's been a tough yeah. start to the year for them, but again, it's still early. We're what, twenty games in? You look at who who would be the favorite to win the AOS this year? The Astros also not off to a good start. No. So panic button, if you're pushing it, unpush it. That's what I would say. But and there are multiple reasons for that slow start. And I feel like they're all pretty close. Yeah, Seattle's like right in the mix. Yeah, I mean the Rangers. Texas, Angels, Houston, Seattle, Oakland's the only one that's like really at the the low end of the division. What, what's the? I know it's. I know it's um, like Texas historically bad. No, what's the? Oh. what's the Oakland A's? They have three wins still. Is that what they're at? Yep, three and sixteen. Oh my god, three and sixteen. It's bad. And then they announced that they're moving to Vegas. It's like, yeah, it's just bad luck here. We can't yeah. do it here in Oakland anymore. We gotta go. Bad luck, change of scenery i could we could go down a whole nother we could do a whole nother hour um, on why i'm frustrated the a's are moving to vegas but we won't do it yeah but before we go i we haven't even talked about your shirt the the ghost fork shirt whoever is sending ben these shirts can you send two so i can get one it's no fair the ghost this is fork, such a sick shirt but i sang a on the mound today for the mets <laughs> had to rock the new shirt shout out athlete logos for this sweet shirt Sick. Um, check them out on Twitter. They sent me a shirt, and uh, I am a big fan of this. Yeah. This thing is I want sweet. one. So thank you for the shirt, Athlete Logos, and thank you all for listening to this episode. We had so much to talk about today. <laughs> what a day in baseball yesterday. What a day yesterday. Scherzer, the A's moving to Vegas, Otani and Judge Tatis. Oh, man. So much to talk about. Thank you all for listening to this Thursday episode. We will be back tomorrow with our Friday episode as well. Make sure you're subscribed anywhere you listen to your podcast, Apple, Spotify, wherever. Hit that plus subscribe button. Also, we're on all social media, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, and you can watch every single episode as well on YouTube at Flippin' Bats Pod for all of them. For this Thursday episode, that does it, my friend. Thank you all for listening. Until next time. 